It is Thursday, February 29th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by the St. John's River Water Management District. And now, a guy who can bench press 225 shrimp cocktails, J.P. Shatrick. And welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour from the Indiana Convention Center in Indianapolis. The NFL Scouting Combine continues on Jaguars.com and now on Jaguars Radio. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Busy hour ahead. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports Senior Writer, joining us in moments. Jeff Ferguson, the Jaguars VP of Player Health and Performance, will join us about 4.15. Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus, at around 4.30. We'll keep it real with Pete here in a moment and Microsoft questions a little bit later. And Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. We're on 10 XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, you know Pete what, Prisco. Hi, Pete. You know what that music reminded me of? What? When we did our playoff show. Oh, we didn't do any. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> wow. that. That didn't happen. Move over here. <laughs> Welcome, Why Pete. Why are you moving away, uh, Osier? Well, yeah. Coming in Been hot. moving away for 30 years. May as well keep moving. <laughs> Good afternoon, Pete. What's up, guys? How Happy are you? Combine. Yeah, today. Combine. How many is this for us now? Oh, for you, it's a few more than me. For me, I think it's 23rd. My first one was... Was 01, and then there wasn't one one year. But beyond that, so I've been every one of I'm probably. I think you started going 95, right? 94, I think. I yeah. Went. So, yeah, so you're. 28, maybe? Yeah, you're pushing 30. I mean, yeah. you're yeah. pushing 7, <laughs> but you're pushing 30. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to move away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Changed a whole lot, obviously. It, I mean, it used to be in yeah. the Holiday Inn over there when we first started coming, and there were about. They'd bring players down, and you'd interview them in the Holiday Inn right. and ask for them, and there were about. 15 guys. Was it that way when you first started? Amazingly enough, it was it, in 01, my first, there were no podium accesses. Remember? It was we over were all over in that was... room. It had grown dramatically my first one, and they didn't have, they had no GMs, no head coaches. I told the story, um, my only year covering it for the newspaper, because you had left and I hadn't left yet, I spent all week trying to find Coughlin, right? And I finally interviewed him. He was coming out of Catholic Mass yeah, across the on, on Saturday evening. And, of course, he sees me. He goes, oh, sure. Yeah, you, you, you. Yeah. So, but that's the difference. You didn't have days where you got your guys. No. You went around trying to find your guys. Correct. And if you got them, you got a little bit of news nugget and you wrote it. But it wasn't like this press conference. No. And, and, I, and get off my lawn, JP. Yeah. Right. It, they've made it a lot easier. They have. Well, it makes it easier now. Yes. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It also sanitizes a little bit yep. where it's different as as it's all different. And I know I'm trying to get in the show, but I, I kind of wonder, I think a theme for me this week, I'm not sure this thing looks the same in five years. I think it's going to decrease in in impact dramatically with in coaches not coming. Yeah. And with, uh, you know, Trent Baalke uh, mentioned a couple of days ago, with teams using more GPS for timing and whatnot, the impact of what you do on the field here, uh, I think it's going to change. I'm not sure it's going to be the big deal. Well, you know how I always felt about it. I always thought that this was the most overrated thing going because if the tape says something, why should this, why should this change yeah. the way you evaluate them based on what they do? And I'll give you an example. Today, the kid from Florida State, Braden Fisk, is a big-time player. When you watch his tape, he's all over the place. Today he ran four seven eight at three hundred pounds. Oh, yeah. But but forget puts that aside. It's because he's a good football player, right? You know, 
And, and so I think we get too caught up in this stuff. A little well, bit. and I think once, to me, the fact that the GPS numbers are coming in, once they have something else they can rely on, right. that they don't have to trust their judgment, right? right? But once they have something else that on paper can say it, uh, then I think they will do away with, or not do away, but it'll, it'll, it'll decrease in value. And if the coaches the aren't coming. Are still, the medicals and the interviews are Yeah, still but you're not going to have this. No, you won't have this. If they don't for have medicals. The, if they don't have the, the workouts and everything, it's not going to be like yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to be different. Yep. Uh, it, uh, very sell, and that's unique, JP, because nothing in the league shrinks. Right, yeah, if anything, right. it so just explodes. So it'll be interesting to see if they try to keep it propped up by making coaches come and talk. Well, league access has shrunk. Well, but in terms of what they want on TV yeah, right. and circus-type atmospheres, right. this, they yeah. don't like that shrinking, Right. but this might get out of their hands. Yeah. Well, for the coaches and GMs that speak, this is really the beginning of the 24 off season and season ahead. The league year begins March 13th, a couple of weeks away, but it's the first time you'll hear GMs and coaches uh, going into this next season. So uh, hearing Peterson and Balky the other day, what you take away from their first um, interaction with the media this offseason? Well, I think they're being a little stubborn with the offensive line if they really think that those five guys are going to be the same five guys next year. I don't year. think they do. I uh, think they're just sort of not wanting to tell people what they're going to do. And, and I think they're not wanting to criticize their own guys too hard how many for the guys, changes. How many guys are starting from from that line that ended the year uh, are starting next year? Well, the math is the tackles, tricky. The tackles will play. If, if To me the other day, unless I'm just completely misreading it, Cam's coming back. That's what it sounded like. Camps coming so back. That it sounds like they want right Cleveland. and left. It sounds like they want Cleveland too. Yeah. So I, I would think. Uh, so I mean, he, I don't think Sheriff comes back because of the I, cap number. I don't think I'd, he's coming back. I'd either. be stunned. Not because he's a bad player. No. But I he think was okay. Right. But uh, if he had a smaller cap number, you could make, make that work. I think the X factor is it's tough to know what they're going to do with Fortner because they speak highly of him. Um, I don't understand at, that. As much as he struggled at times. I don't understand so. that. So. Hey, look, you don't want to trash the kid in in public, but but the reality is, is you got to sit there and say, hey, we're looking to make changes on the interior of offensive line. They are; they have to be. You can't get you can't get away with what you put on the field last year. So probably can't. three stay the same. Three at the most. If they bring right. Cleveland back, if they don't bring Cleveland back, then it's going to be two. Yeah. So the interior of the offensive line could all be new next year. Could be in yep. theory. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of change. That's all, but it's, it needs to be changed. It needs to happen. The quarterback was sped up. He didn't trust the interior of the offensive line, and because of that, he didn't play well. So it has to change. You have to change the offensive line. You have to get tougher. You got to get nasty. There's no nasty. Where's the nasty? Right here. It's not, yeah. right. Well, I would <laughs> make it nasty. I mean, you got to be nasty. You have to be. Do you ever get the feeling when you watch them that they're nasty, violent? get after it. There's no. a little Cam Robinson had some of that. He did. He does. You know? He has a little bit of it. And I think Anton can have it as he at Correct. As he matures, gains more confidence on the field, but, I think that'll come out. But you know you need it in the middle of that yeah. line too. And yeah. and and you also need it on the other side of the middle of that line. Yeah, let's go to defense now. New defensive coordinator coming in and uh, you know, we'll see. There's a lot of big contracts on that defensive line that are going to be tough to get One out of. One they probably shouldn't have given out last year, but they did, and that was probably a mistake. You know, the Roy Roberts and Harris deal, that, that, that look, you look at it on paper right now, they probably wish they didn't do that. I mean, that's the honest assessment of it. Yeah, Devon's tricky because I, I think he played well enough late in 22 to earn it. Um, 
I think he was going to have a big year because yeah. remember in camp he was dominant. In yeah, camp. his back thing. Then he had the back injury and he lost all that weight and he got pushed around. He probably rushed him back onto the field at times, or he rushed back onto the field. He wasn't the same player, but you're right. He gets the weight back, he'll be fine. Right, and then uh, Fadakasi. Uh, uh, see ya. Yeah, it, it's a tough one because it it's not a glaring cap savings to do it. Uh, but if you don't change something, then you're not changing anything. So and, and, uh, they need to get better in the interior. You save about three or four million off of that, doesn't it? What, yeah, uh, but, it, so, but, but you're still paying what ten million dead cap, which is a lot. Uh, uh, I paying somebody not to work. That might be the best interest for them well, in that position. That's uh, but, well, and it's the old thing. If you've, you've got to get better in the interior, and if you stick with all three that you've got, then. How do you get better on the interior? And so. here's how they'll they'll just if they justify that they'd say well the the cap savings on Fotokasi so we kept him uh, Hamilton's coming back off the injury so he'll be better and Roy Robertson Harris we paid him last year we can't do anything with him so that's how they'll justify it they need, I I disagree I think Fotokasi needs to go and I think they need to get somebody in there that's going to be a nasty tough physical player particularly what are they going to do uh, uh, playing four man front how do you play that now right that's what he plays. You know. and, and if you do that, you can justify it because if you do that, then you have to add and you have to have more more bodies than what they've got so you could rotate. Right. So I, I think I think they have to make changes. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on 10 XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, and Pete Frisco. And it's time for keeping it real. We always keep it real. We always do. Um, this, though is about the draft at number 17. If you're picking today, Pete, the Jaguars are there at 17. They're on the clock. Trent Baalke's on the phone. Who are they calling it? What have I done in free agency? See, that's what's hard to do that. Right. Especially first round, it makes it hard. The rest of the draft, you right. can sort you of can, Right. You can get around but that. Yeah, you the first can. round, like, okay. When's your last? Have you done a mock yet? You haven't done a mock no, yet? No, I, I haven't done a mock yet. But if I did, if I had to pick two positions, it would be an interior offensive lineman and a corner. That's what I would I would look at. I mean, you have to get a corner the way they play their defense, and they're going to be different. They're going to play more man now, I would th- assume. Uh, you know, so I think you have to get a corner at some point. And there's good corner. It's not a great corner draft in terms of there's no elite guys, but there's a lot of good ones in there. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the two Alabama kids, I think, you know, the one is better. I think Arnold's a better player. I think when you look at the, the, the kid from uh, – from Toledo's a good player, really good player. The corner from uh, Missouri, Rackstraw's a good player. And Nate Wiggins is still there, so he's he, he, he doesn't tackle though. Yeah. That's a problem with him. But but I, I like him. You need a Dion. Yeah, true. <laughs> but he also yeah right. right? You, you need to tackle back. You, right. you need to tackle right, more true. back then. But I, I think corner or center, and you know the the center from Oregon is really good. He's a good player. I'd be. Uh, it's high for a center. Yeah, I would. Um, couple of draft guys we've had on have said it. You better be special, special, special if you're a center at 17. Maybe he is. And, and even if you are, can I you get that player set? I, mean, I, I would not blink an eye if they found disruption on the interior of the defense. Wouldn't bother me a bit to go that route. Uh, I think the good news for him is you're going to have good offensive linemen. It, if if you, if you want to get a guard there, you're going to have somebody who can play that position. Maybe it's kick high outside. Left. Guard too, though. Well, but if you had a guy who could play guard, and then Cam's not going to be here forever, even if he's back next year. But I think okay. If I they, think you can go wrong. If they on this line team right up now, a corner right now. Lineman. Who plays corner? Well, Campbell, right now Tyson and uh, and who's the nickel? Darius Williams. Darius. And who's the nickel? Yeah. 
Uh, you got to have three. The, right. the Johnson. I think he's going to be a starting safety. Yeah, I, get, I don't think – Antonio, as much as people talk about him as a nickel, he's more of a nickel safety. He's a safety. Than he's, he is. And, and I think he can be a starting safety. I think he's going to be a starting I'd, safety. I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't start safety next Right. Year. So, I think he's the starting safety, um, so you can't make him yeah, the nickel. It's true. I mean, he could play some. He could drop him down and play him right. in the nickel, but he's the starting safety. But then so. that brings up the issue. We were talking to Bucky Brooks earlier today. When you draft a third corner and you're – clearly if they're taking a, a third corner at 17 this year, you're thinking that he's going to be a starter on the outside for the long term. Correct. Does his skill set fit being a nickel for a year? Because nickel can be hard to play. Right. And you, you need gotta, experience. You need savvy guy in there. And you also – Cover uh, guy doesn't always do it well. And you also – and we know they tried that Williams inside right. experiment. That was a disaster. So, uh, yeah. He's it's like, not that it's not doable. It's just not as easy as, hey, we're going to have this guy play nickel this year and then kick out. See, I think you can get by if they can get a veteran nickel. Mm-hmm. But Darius Williams – and Tyson Campbell didn't – I mean, Darius Williams played well last year, but that money is getting high. Right. And Tyson Campbell did not play well last year. Yeah. Well, he was hurt a little bit. I think with Tyson – The hamstring. You, you almost have to trust that he's better than he played last year. Right. Because of your of the way you structured your team. Right. He was better in 22 than he was in 23. It's almost like with Trevor. I, I have to trust that he's a better player than he showed when he was injured at the end of last season. I've got to trust if I'm building this team that Tyson Campbell can play better than he did last year, and that it was mostly hamstring. You know, there's been talk of another pass rusher coming at some point in free agency, and if I keep hearing that, does that mean they're moving? They're considering moving Walker to defensive in, tackle, playing that four-three. Because if he had, if that's the case, then you need a big body next, a big, big body next to him. And so you could get one of those guys in the second round. They you know, get the 366-pound mm-hmm. kid from Texas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's yeah. a monster in the middle. Yeah. And he's only a two-down guy. You get him in the second round. And, and then you'd have Walker. If you, I'm just saying, because there's been some theory out there about going to get another pass rusher. Because Walker, I, I'm, look, Walker had 10 and a half sacks last year, right? Yeah, right. But he's not a great edge rusher. He's just not. He's a good, tough football player. And I think inside he could become a good, tough football player who becomes a dominant inside player. Put on 15 pounds, and he can play in there. In that defensive scheme, up the field, the way Nielsen plays, I think he could be good inside player. But I don't think they're going to do that. That's just me playing GM. But, but he, is he not a good 4-3 end? He's not a great pass rusher. He's a good 4-3 end because he's a good football player. He's a tough kid. Yeah. He plays no, I think hard. I think he's outstanding. and I don't. It, if he gets eight sacks for me, I think he's impact. I think he's great. But the, uh, but a lot of those are coming on like things where a guy falls into him and you know I mean don't get me wrong yeah. Josh Allen had three in the opening week or three in the opening at the week. end of last year I thought Trayvon sacks were pretty legit yeah he's got better I mean we got to give him credit late. for that he got better but I just think he could be I think he could be Calais Campbell if he moved inside and if he's Calais Campbell he he's a good pick final thoughts with you Pete I know you got to run um, where are you on the Josh Allen and, and Calvin Ridley situation make sure Josh Allen doesn't get out the building. You have to, and that means if that means a tag, you tag him. Um, I would try and get that done and then work on Ridley, but I think Ridley wants to come back. I think Ridley had problem with the offense last year. He was rusty. He didn't learn the offense. You could tell he didn't know the plays all the time. He admitted that, I think, in some interview after the season. He, 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 he sure talked like that was the case. I don't know if he out and out said it, but there were indications that he knows he could know it better. There were times when you looked at Ridley and went, whoa. 
And right. then there were other times you looked at Ridley and you go, what is he doing? And I don't know if the l- fact that he didn't know the offense all the time made him look disinterested at times. Uh, and I don't know that's the ca- I don't think that's the case. But when you don't know the offense, you play slower. And he's a faster. In training camp, he mm-hmm. was killing dudes. And he was, seemed like he was all in fast into it. And then you could see during the season, he just didn't look like the same guy. Yeah. I think a year in the offense would be good for him. Yeah, and I think he – I think he knows that and believes it. If his agent's telling him he can get six million more somewhere else, it's well, then, a different then, thing. Right. Then, but, on the market. Then, then I'll start learning another offense. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it, it, I do think, that, uh, to me, the thing you always have to remember with Calvin is um, there are times that he is so special that you can't cover him. You, you don't always find that everywhere. Correct. And I wouldn't. It's I would dangerous I, I to let that get out the door. I keep both of them. By the way, I do everything in my power to keep both of them, and, and so I think they will do that. Here's the other thing: if Calvin goes out the door, then you might have to think receiver at 17. Mm-hmm. You, you really do. And so my thing with receivers start to become. It's so deep every year, and so many guys can play it. I think receiver is going to get devalued in the draft over time because there's so many guys who can come up and play. Like, but it's there's a second not round. the guys, though. Yeah, but do you, you think you're going to get the guy at 17? Yeah. The guy is going at four, right? Yeah. Does this offense need the guy? Yes. Okay. Every offense needs the yeah. guy. If yeah. you have the guy, you, you're going to be special. Right. Um, yeah. But you're neighbors, right. If, neighbors if you let Calvin Harrison, get out the door. Neighbors and Harrison are the two the guys. Right. Then you need somebody who can at least scare you the way that Calvin did. Correct. And, it, and there were times – I've said it over and over again. There were two or three games that I'm not sure they win if he's not on the field. And I'm not sure there's anybody else on the team except for Josh Allen. You can say Here's that the about. other question. On the, I mean, another thing about the offense. Last year. How many times were the three receivers healthy and together at one point during the season? Not only, only a few games when Zay was healthy early. Because yeah. beyond that, he really wasn't healthy after about Buffalo, I think, would be fair. Uh, so probably sure. week one, Yeah. realistically, because Zay got hurt, what, against the Chiefs? Yeah. In one of those in first out. two games, yeah. either then, Chiefs or Houston. So. And, then, and then Kirk was out at And the he was end. never the same. Zay was never yeah. the same after, no. after, no. after week two or so. So I think healthy, that's still a decent, a pretty decent and good enough group. It's a good enough group, particularly if Ridley knows the offense next year. Then they can be good enough throwing the football. Ingram gives them the other dimension. They, you know, the tight end from Penn State, he needs to pick it up. That was a, right now on surface. There were a million tight ends who caught balls last year, and he was one of them who didn't. You know, rookies, I'm talking about rookie mm-hmm. tight ends. <laughs> Green Bay had two of them catch yeah, passes, true. and they didn't, yeah. it, it didn't get anything out of him. You, if they re-sign really, I think they should. Boy, they got a lot, of, a lot of money wrapped up in those four receivers. A lot of money. Yeah, and that won't last forever. I mean, that would probably be the last year you could go forward with that group because it it's hard to have that much cap room with those four guys. But, but when you, you also have a look at the quarterback, quarterback, you, you want to have yeah, it. You yeah. got to have I'm it. Not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it, it, over time you probably want more of a balance of right. cap and then a rookie coming up. But if you have all that money in those receivers and you're eventually going to have to pay the quarterback, right. you better be good in front of them. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you could have I, to. And have they they to also them. didn't run the ball very well last mm-hmm. year, by the way. Pete, um, Always good to see you. Thanks oh, for the great, time, man. Great, guys. You All know right, it. buddy. Always you enjoy it. Pete Prisco, our favorite. We start off the show with the best. Hey. That's what happens. I started right, off now. with a bang. That's what happens. <laughs> 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 You're done? <laughs>
Pete Frisco, CBS Sports Senior Writer. Plenty ahead. We are just underway at Jaguars Happy Hour. Brought to you by the St. Johns River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. Love Ryan Nielsen. Super smart. Well, then your thoughts. Well, look what happened in Atlanta last right. year. I mean, obviously, like, you know, Saints, the, the, the pedigree is there. The right pieces. But I don't know if last year, this time, Atlanta fans were thinking, like, you know, our defense is actually going to be, like, one of the strongest that we've seen in quite some time. Mm-hmm. I don't think people were saying that. The middle of that defense was very, very like, they understood the assignment, and it worked out. Right? The spine of the defense was right. Cynthia Freeland earlier today on Radio Row here at the NFL Scouting Combine and the full conversation available now at Jaguars.com. Cynthia Freeland of NFL Media, analytics expert. And Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier from the Indiana Convention Center. Our thanks to Pete Prisco, CBS Sports Senior Writer. And we were out to Jeff Ferguson, the Jaguars VP of Player Health and Performance, and Dr. Kevin Kaplan were supposed to join us here, um, but they couldn't get back in this credentialed area. They had the wrong credential. Some They were in here earlier. I don't know what happened. Uh, they were at the door trying to come in. But Jeff Doesn't Ferguson, matter if you win an award around here, JP. You need to have the credential. <laughs> I guess so. Especially and only certain people get credentials. It's so busy in here. Uh, uh, let me tell you. Uh, so, unfortunately, we will not get to them today. We'll get to them a little bit later in the coming weeks. But... Uh, congratulations in order to Jeff Ferguson. He won the Fane Kane Memorial Award for Outstanding NFL Athletic Trainer of the Year. That's given out by the NFL Physicians Society. The award ceremony was last night here at the Combine. We saw the uh, Jaguars Medical Group out and about at dinner last night after that ceremony and uh, wide smiles all around yeah. him. And congratulations to Fergie. Well done. Yeah, and a lot of people in Jacksonville know Fergie because he, he's the kind of guy who knows everybody. If you don't, uh, what a terrific guy. Uh, and the the award, the Fane Kane, is the, uh, I don't call it a lifetime achievement because that sort of implies that you're going to retire the next year. And I don't think Fergie's planning to do that. But it is an award given. It's a trainer of the year, but it's an award given by the trainers who, uh, you know, to the most respected, best of the best of their profession. Uh, I don't, I'm not in that profession, so I, I can't speak personally, but everybody will tell you, he is one of the best, one of the best guys going. And, uh, you know, anybody who knows him couldn't be happier for him. Absolutely. A long career before the Jaguars, of course, to the San Francisco 49ers and started with them in 2011. Uh, he was with the XFL a long, long time ago as well, the previous XFL. So he's been at this for a long time. But but Fergie uh, with a great award. And we'll uh, hopefully in the coming weeks have him on Jaguars Happy Hour to uh, discuss uh, certain aspects of that award and if his credential ahead. works in our building, I mean, we'll see. Who knows? I mean, it's day to day, right? I mean, this could be know. a trend. <laughs> you never <laughs> so, know. So uh, bad news for you. Yeah, uh, but that, you know, we're interested, obviously, in hearing from Dr. Kevin Kaplan about the medical aspect of the combine here, and he came in earlier for another conversation that we didn't get him yet, and he was talking about poking and prodding on yeah. prospects almost all day long. It's it's never really an ending process here. Well, I think people who have followed the NFL have probably heard the importance of the medical here. But for people who haven't, the combine originally started, it, it grew out of the need to have 
as many players as possible in one spot for an extended period of time so that as many team physicians as possible could get into this one spot and make all these checks, make checking them out physically so that you didn't have players flying all over the country and meeting with every team. So that's always been the heart of it. It is a big reason why the Combine, you know, everybody always asks you, why don't they, why don't they move the Combine somewhere else? Well, a big reason it's not, it, it's a convenient area overall for the Combine. But for the medical, if you talk to medical people, if you, if you talk to Dr. Kaplan, it is off the charts convenient because they know where everything is. You can get MRIs quickly. It is a super convenient spot to do a very inconvenient task. And uh, it, it's what it's about. Uh, and my guess is, as, as we were talking to Pete about the top of the show, uh, there'll always be a combine because of the medical issue. It could get back to the point where everybody understands that it's more for medical than everything else and be less of an on-field event going forward. But from what you talk to people, nobody thinks that there will come a day where there's not a central location like this to have people come and do the medicals because it's everything. Yeah, Got to have it. And there's obviously the, the storylines of some other cities may bid on this at some point. In the there NFL better be might, a city where it's easy it's to go get. I mean, it, yeah. And I think they'll move it somewhere because the league will want somewhere and they very much want this to be what I would call like a circus tentpole mm-hmm. event. They want it to be a fan. Uh, and it's tough because they haven't been able to make it that yet because it's not a very fan-friendly uh the events aren't fan-friendly enough. But I, I think they'll eventually move it, and my guess is the year you move it, we'll be walking around somewhere, and we'll see Dr. Kaplan, and he'll give you one of these. <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> they got it. But So uh, this is truly a, a – from the football people you talk to, this is it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it event. But you sense at some point they'll break it, and it'll be the – people trying to execute the medicals that will have to work harder for that. Let's come back in a moment. We're out to Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus, scheduled to join us to talk about some of the prospects, the D-line working out as we speak just across the street at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Jaguars are celebrating the 30th season, and the time to get your season ticket membership is now. Be at the bank for every touchdown. Secure your seats at jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. We do have the right quarterback. Um, I'm excited for the future with Trevor. Uh, He's excited. Uh, The conversations we've had since the season. you know, and and I I don't get into the contract stuff. I mean, that's I leave that for, for Trent and the agents and stuff, but I just know that our guy is the right guy. He's got the right demeanor. He's got the right leadership. And it's our job as coaches now to make sure he takes that next step. And, and this will be another big offseason for him and, and uh, his development and growth. By no means is he, where, is, he, is he where he wants to be or where we want him to be. Um, but really looking forward to, to working another year with, with Trevor. That's head coach Doug Peterson, of course, at the podium earlier this week, Tuesday at the NFL Scouting Combine. And Jaguars Happy Hour continues, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier, joined by 
Pro Football Focus NFL Draft Analyst Trevor Sekima. Good to have you back. What's up? I appreciate you guys having me back. I'm just going to uh, be under the impression that Doug was talking to me every time he said Trevor. Just because he very <laughs> casually, it's just always first name. Sure. And I'm always just like, oh, thank you, Doug. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I also think I'm going to have a good year coming up. You know? so, <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, no, but it's great to be with you guys. You're our guy. That's what happens. Um, so here we are at the Combine again. Uh, defensive line workouts are going on behind us, you know, across the street at least. We see them on screens in here. So that's the first uh, day of on-field activity and a whole weekend of that. But for from your perspective and the way you write and, and things for PFF, what's the most important part of a combine week for you and your coverage? Yeah, so, uh, you know, certainly the measurables are very, very important, right? I think that that's a big part of um, data gathering that – is key for us because you have like weight adjusted scores and certain thresholds that you know teams have for different positions you know whether it's size at tackle or you know certain like arm lengths for corners like things like that so that's really important because as we know schools sometimes lie about these guys you know fabricate a little get a little dating profile in there you know maybe you're a little mm-hmm. bit taller than you actually <laughs> are so you know getting those official measurements I think is, is really key uh, certainly the athletic measurements are great when you see a guy on tape and you think he's athletic, you need to see it out here. You want to reaffirm that, right? If he's got a really good first step, okay, you want to see the 10-yard split. Okay, if you think he's really quick, you want to see that in the cone drills. And so it's just those things that you watch the tape, the tape is king, but it's always good for them to come out here and show you, yes, I am always that kind of athlete. And that just reaffirms kind of what you believe of a lot of strengths of these guys. And then, you know, this is a a smaller part of it because we don't get to talk to them very often. But evaluation of these players you know tape is only it's a big part of it but who they are is such a massive part of this and it ends up being a big differentiating factor when it comes to we're going to choose this guy over this guy you hear coaches and gms talk all the time about culture the right guys things like that and so even though we as the media don't get to um get to sit down with them individually Seeing them at the podium, hearing them answer these questions, watching you know their face light up when they talk about certain things like all that, like that, all of those things are really important for different reasons at the combine. You mentioned uh, the measurables, and it, it, this question is probably in your wheelhouse because obviously PFF is known for the analytical side of the game. Um, with GPS information coming from colleges now. Uh, how do you see that starting to change how teams are going to view them versus what they see out here? Uh, how do you see that changing scouting over the next five years? It seems like it's about to change it a lot. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big component, right, because we don't necessarily have to wait for events like this. We can already have a good idea of what a guy is going to run. We saw, you know, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, they're doing that as well. They're putting the GPS on these mm-hmm. guys, and, you know, in between practices or when you show up the first day, they'll, they'll be showing on the big screen, like, hey, here was the fastest, right. you know, defensive back yesterday, right. and you get to see kinds of things like that, and you see the miles per hour and all that. And so I think that data is, you know, being as public as it is, is relatively new. But the important thing about data, the guys at PFF have, have always kind of preached this to me since I came on a couple of years ago with them, Volume is always the most important thing, right? When you have a big sample size of data, then you can really find out the truth about things. So as years go on here and we have more public or more available tracking data, you know, whether it's change of direction, speed, total foot speed, miles per hour, distance traveled, like whatever it is, the more data that you have, the bigger volume of data that you can measure, that's going to be able to something that becomes quantifiable, Mm -hmm. that we can say, okay, this is now a stable metric that we can actually project 
project year to year. And then, of course, you'll get, hey, this guy ran this speed consistently in college, this sustained at the NFL level, and it ended up being a difference maker for them. This is such a change in what a lot of guys who are GMs now Mm -hmm. even grew up with. Yeah. Uh, And I know in my life I'm a stubborn guy and don't like to bring (laughs) new things into my life. Are you seeing more and more GMs comfort level trust in the things you're talking about grow and grow and grow because i'm sure there's still a little bit of resistance but it's the future it's the now are you are you seeing that uh when you talk to people when you see results when you see drafts yeah 100 percent. yes and you know for some of the gms that have have been there doing it a long time they're kind of Set in their ways sounds sounds harsh, but it's like they have their ways of which they came up through this business and what they believe to be the truth of the best way to evaluate these players and team build and all that. And so for them, it's understandable that it would be a little bit of a slower adjustment. But I can tell you, when teams are hiring new general managers, right. these are the conversations that you have. And you can't just, you don't have the luxury of saying, no, 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 this is the way that we do it. This is the way that we've always done it. You don't get that benefit of the doubt because instead somebody might come in in an interview behind you and say, yeah, we're totally up on analytics. We understand how to take, because the thing is, is that people look at PFF and they think like, oh, they only believe the numbers and that's it. The numbers simply are there to help us. It is a piece of the puzzle. We've never said that those things are perfect. You know, even the grades that we have, people love to harp on the grades and things like that. Mm-hmm. Tony Baselli loves the grades. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> well yeah, and, no. and the thing <laughs> is, is that we've never said that they're perfect. We like our system. We're always trying to make things better. We're always trying to improve. And we've had people from in and out of the NFL kind of help us with that. But ultimately, it is simply a tool mm-hmm. to help you make better decisions. It's not the be-all, end-all. Football evaluation is a massive puzzle piece that you're supposed to put together. And for different prospects, different pieces mean more. So that's all it is. And I think that when you talk about, to your original question, that willingness to look at those analytics and look at those, those, those data points, that's all you really want. Is there a willingness there? Can I show you this and say, hey... We think that this is valuable from an analytical perspective. Do you have an openness in your mind to say, okay, I'll take a look at that? Because if you take a look at it and you go, no, I don't like it, that's fine. It's just the fact that you want to be open-minded to Mm -hmm. anything that can help you get an edge in an extremely competitive game in a multi-billion dollar industry. Trevor Sekima with us, NFL Draft Analyst, Pro Football Focus. Give him a follow on X, at Tampa Bay Trey. All right, the Jaguars finished 9-8. and Mm-hmm. They also finished nine and eight the year before that. Mm-hmm. A little different feeling nine and eight this time around, obviously after losing five of the last six. So, from your vantage point, where are the Jaguars currently? There's free agency coming up. Some big time names that are pending free agents. Uh, some needs. Uh, how far away are the Jaguars? Yeah, you know, I think it's it, it, it's more than just a 2023 story, right? And I think you guys know that. You can go back to what it was with Urban Meyer and how much of a, a roller coaster that was and then Doug taking over and things going in the right direction. But as you guys know, progress is not always linear, right? Just because it got better from there didn't mean that it was always only going to go up. And so you figured it was going to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. And there were some frustrations, especially down the stretch. Now, this is a team that I think has done the work to put themselves in that conversation of we are in a winning window. And it just didn't feel like they had that identity at all times last year. To me, that's a big part of the puzzle going into this year is is they got to believe they are that playoff team. They got to believe they are the best team in the division. And sometimes it just didn't feel like that. And I think when you look at team building, 
I really look at the interior defensive line and the interior offensive line is let's get a lot better in those areas this offseason. Sure, like you mentioned, you've got some free agents that you've got some decisions to make. Um, I think no matter what, wide receiver depth, corner depth, I think those are things that you would also address. But let's get really strong in the interior parts of both sides of the trenches, and I think that they do have uh, some star power outside of that to really be that winning window team. So uh, there you have it, the uh, draft coming up uh, late April. I mean, what do you guys have on a weekly basis now moving ahead after the combine? Yeah. It's pro day season coming up. I mean, what else is in the hopper? Yeah, so we actually released the first version of our draft guide over at pff.com right now, which anybody can go and download if they have a premium subscription. It's got 150 full scouting reports the analysis, the strengths and weaknesses, the trait breakdowns, the advanced data, a lot of the stable metrics that we have about every single position, that stuff is all in there for, like I said, 150 guys. We're getting another 50 in there for the next iteration, and then another 50 for a total of 250 that we will have before draft weekend. So uh, make sure you go and get that, and obviously any any uh, players that uh, the Jags either have their eyes on or end up drafting, we can tell you all about them if you've got that draft guide. I do have one final question on, like when you're doing a mock draft, mm-hmm. um, can you tell when you're putting together a mock draft and look at other people's mock drafts mm-hmm. uh, that you take a different approach because of the PFF approach? Do you mm-hmm. follow? I mean, it, is there a difference in the mock drafts that people see, if you know what I'm getting at? It, yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, mock drafts are very different at different times of the year, right? right? We're in you know, late February, early March now. The mock drafts that we do will now be mainly predictive. Like okay. it, it will be, this is what we think this team will do. It's not necessarily a what what I or what we would do. For a lot of those mocks, I do those in October, November, December. I will tell you a lot about the prospects and what I think about mm-hmm. them. Use a lot of my own big board and say, this is how I'd improve this team. These are the team needs that we're seeing right. form throughout the season. This could be an option for them. But when we get to this point of the year, Year. I think a lot of fans really just want to know, hey, who who do you think that we're going mm-hmm. to take? You know, and so that uh, that answer is sometimes very different. Sure. So I like to do those two different mock draft exercises, and so sometimes I like to throw them both in around this time of year and clarify this is what I think the team's going to do. This is what I do. Yeah. But normally there's just two different conversations that come with mock drafts. And then free agency happens and changes everything. Uh, yes, yeah. And we, <laughs> well, look, we'll do a mock on Monday, and then free agency will come, and we'll have to completely change everything. So that's just the time of the year that it is. That's well, why it's fun. Welcome yes. to the NFL. Trevor Sikkim of Pro Football Focus. Always a pleasure. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it, guys. Great work, buddy. Plenty ahead. We're back in a moment. Some fan questions from social media after this. It is Jaguars Happy Hour brought to you by the St. John's River Water. Water Management District, Florida's water, it's worth saving. This past season was kind of like a stuck-in-the-mud year in some ways, offensively at least, where you felt like the expectations deserved to be incredibly high. So we'll learn a lot about this Jaguars team this upcoming season that I think obviously is going to look a little bit different. Um, but unlike prior years, like this is not going to be the year where I expect them to spend a ton of time in the free agency sandbox. Like This might be much more of a retention offseason and addressing key needs in the draft. Field Gates, ESPN NFL Insider, joining us a little earlier today. The full conversation available now at Jaguars.com, the official team website, a free website. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. 
Brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, our thanks to Trevor Sikama, Pro Football Focus, joining us uh, just a moment ago. Pete Prisco earlier in the show. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens now. I mean, moving out of here, it's all about um, the franchise tag, when, if they use it, which player they use it on before March 5th. That's the deadline. Or do they get some deals done? Uh, the start of the league year, of course, is March 13th at 4 o'clock. There's a two-day window to officially negotiate um, for pending or for free agents uh, after that. So there's a lot of business coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I I think they'll be a touch more active in high-profile free agency than, than Field thinks. Right. Um, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ing, you know, it, that was a big one. Yeah, but because they're not there anymore, they don't have to pull themselves up from three and fourteen to nine and eight. They're at nine and eight, and they need to get uh, better than that. I, I, my guess is that they will study corner and interior offensive line quite a bit in free agency and figure out if if there's a guy who can impact at one of those two spots, if there's a guy that can free them up to being able to make a wise choice at 17, meaning not reach for a position there. Uh, But I think I I can see three potential or a potential impact guy, a high-profile free agent, another free agent who can perhaps compete with a Luke Fortner, can compete with a spot to try to make it better, uh, if, if they like Cooper Hodges, are you, are you going to bring in a veteran to make sure that Cooper Hodges has to earn that spot? Because he's never played in the NFL, Cooper Hodges. Correct. So moves like that, because the great truth of, of, of the draft, no GM wants to go into the draft and not be able to start already, meaning you want to have a depth chart that if you had to go into week one, you could line up. So they'll be able to line up, and now you want your draft to be able to improve what you've already got. We're on 10 xl Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. Time for social media questions. Powered by Microsoft, we put out the cat signal earlier today. Uh, at cat signal, boy. Here's the best it's we come up with. In fact, at uh, Waco Garena. Hi, JP, John, and Bucky. Where's Bucky? He didn't make it on this show. It's okay. Uh, which cornerback from the draft or free agency fit the new Jags defense? Well, if you go on Jaguars.com to a lot of our guests that have come on, they will dig into some of the names near the top. And I feel the field Yates actually talked about a basket. You know, there's maybe not one, two kind of guys, but there's you know a handful of guys that could be around the top at cornerback. Uh, Pete was talking a little bit like that as well. So yeah, my impression is uh, Rake Straw and uh, I always draw a blank on, on uh, the Toledo name. Yep. Uh, Quinion Mitchell, I believe. Uh, yep. And hope I'm getting that right. Uh, my impression from listening to people is that is that they fit what Nielsen's going to try to want to do. He he wants to play press with help over the top. Uh, those guys seem to fit that. Um, Nate Wiggins perhaps not so much. So uh, it, it it sounds like there will be guys who can play in that scheme at that spot. Um, so those would be the names that I've heard, and in the next couple of weeks, try to get a little more into those names. Next question at Shrek Spacito. Corner, interior O-line, and D-line seem to be the biggest needs right now, but how would you rank those three positions from most pressing to least? Well, for me, John, 
I'll go interior O-line, corner, and D-line. Yeah, a pressing's the key word. Um, if, if I'm looking at it long-term, pressing, which you can have pressing long-term needs. Yeah. Uh, corner has to be addressed somewhere in this draft or in free agency, in my thought, because you've got Tyson Campbell and Darius Williams both coming up on the last year of their deal. So if, if, if you want prem, or, uh, premium equity spent there and not have it brand new, uh, at some point you need to get started replacing one of those guys because you're probably not going to replace both of them. Uh, that would be unusual. So I guess for the sake of the question, I would go uh, most pressing. I, it, it's going to sort of depend on what they do with some of their guys too. It, if uh, Brandon Sheriff returns, the interior line all of a sudden, everybody may think it's pressing, but isn't pressing. I don't think he'll return, so I'll go offensive line, uh, corner, and defensive tackle. I love disruptive defensive tackles, so a great disruptive defensive tackle would be the guy that I would pick because I think out of those three positions, that has the potential to impact you the most uh, because if it's the closest to the quarterback and, it, and it's a disruptive position. Cool. So that would be my choice. Yeah. If I had if I had – an all-pro five-year guy that I knew I was, I would pick defensive tackle over offensive line and corner. Yeah, who doesn't like a disruptive defensive tackle? I mean, I, that's what they're supposed to be, right? Right. But if you knew you were going to get it. Then okay. The, but, yeah, so. You don't, you don't know, know. You don't know sometimes. Right, you don't know. That's why you draft. Sometimes you don't know. Uh, final question today at Julian Laurie Alt. Uh, Balky said that Cam Robinson will be back. But what if – the right tackle, Fawago, slides to 17, or you never know, left tackle, Joe Alt. Cornerback is not a lock at 17, don't you think? Well, um, there's no locks, I, I don't think. It, there's no locks. Uh, I, I would say realistically, if Cam's back, uh, probably he's back on a deal that makes it likely he's back for two years. And that, maybe that's not true, but that would be my impression uh, because I would think you'd probably rework his deal to get it a little more cap-friendly. Maybe not. but uh, So I think if Cam's back and Anton's still at right, uh, then it would be surprising if you went tackle again there, considering you have Walker Little on the roster, so you already have your three, your depth, your, you know, your safety valve, if you will. Uh, I'm talking a little about – talking a little out both sides of my mouth because I just said, well, you want to draft for the future. <laughs> and it's and it, it's possible Walker Little wouldn't be there the next year. But um, I would say if Cam's back, I'd be surprised if it's pure tackle at number 17. If it's a guy who can play guard and tackle, that now you're talking. then that right. makes a little more sense. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of drafting developmental guy in the first round because it means your roster is mature. Um, I don't know that they're going to feel like they have that luxury. I mean, if if it's a guy who can play guard and snap, then that's a that could be an option. Yeah, you too, love right? a, and and catch passes. Right? Why not? That matters. And throw them too, right? <laughs> so, so, if you don't do but, all that. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if there's that guy, certainly. And fundamentally, I I agree with what he's saying. It, if you're sitting at 17 and you feel like you've got an offensive lineman who is a 10 year starter three or four-time pro bowler, and you can make your offensive line keep building it, sure. 
uh, realistically, teams don't draft that way. There you have it. The social media questions are in, presented by Microsoft on this Jaguars happy hour, and that will uh, pretty much wrap our coverage from Indianapolis. Huddle Up will uh, run on Friday on the official Jaguars podcast network, the video version on jaguars.com featuring Cynthia Freeland. And so uh, check that out. Uh, Bucky Brooks was with us for that show. Uh, that's coming yes, up. Yes, he was for that show. We'll put it up on Friday, though. You can <laughs> uh, hear Bucky and Cynthia get their thoughts about the Jaguars. But uh, got a lot done this week. Heard from the GM yeah. and the head coach. That that really is the, the big thing that draws us here each and every year. And there's always, whether they give you any definitive answers, there's at least something to move the offseason no forward. Yeah, and – I think we found out that they feel good about the roster. Uh, know there's work to do. As, as Trent Balky said on our show, we're in it to win it and not playing for anything else. So uh, I think they know the moves they're going to make. People watching the content probably say, well, they didn't say anything. They don't like this. They don't like that. They're not going to say everything. No. But, uh, you know, it gives you a little better feel, and that's what you're looking for out of the combine. You know, I think the big news – Doug hasn't decided who's going to call plays next year. Right. And they're talking with Josh. They're talking with Calvin. They're talking with, with Ezra Cleveland's agent. There's movement on those. But this week on those fronts, it's sort of a stay tuned, and let's see what happens later. And uh, Trent Balky actually told NFL Network uh, on Tuesday before all the stuff at the podium that they had talked to Trevor Lawrence's folks as well. Sure. So, and, and Okay. I, I'd be surprised with Trevor, the way those conversations have gone with other mega contract quarterback guys it's usually been closer to training camp because those can be complex deals that doesn't mean the Jaguars won't do something immediately but if if you're a Jaguars fan and they haven't re-signed Trevor or done that by April that's usually the complex and significant enough deal they can be closer to training camp when it gets done or even in training camp who knows John well done all week Good job. Enjoyed it, buddy. Great John, job. John Ozer, Jaguars.com senior writer, joining us. Thanks to Trevor Sekima, Pro Football Focus, Pete Prisco, CBS Sports. Uh, Brent Reber here on site with us uh, each and every show, of course. Our whole crew here on site in Indianapolis. And back in the studio, Joe Fortunato, Max Hockman, David Cho, that entire crew back home doing a great job all week. Our social media team, fantastic, of course. All our graphics guys, Nick Cortez, those guys did a great job. So, Uh, Thanks to uh, you for watching and listening all week long. Our coverage of the NFL Scouting Combine available on Jaguars.com. This is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the St. John's River Water Management District. Florida's water, it's worth saving.